0: Official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at WellChurchVT.com. Hey, Happy New Year. Hey, you know, I was thinking this morning, um, I remember when it was New Year, year 2000, and everyone was freaking out about Y2K? You have to be, like, old to to remember that. But 20 years ago, everyone was afraid that all the computers were going to shut down, airliner jets were going to fall out of the sky, cars were going to stop working. And My folks, I remember my folks down in the basement had barrels full of, like, kerosene and generators and stocked shelves of food. And so it's kind of... Weird for me to think about 2020 because I feel so old when I even say that. 2020, that was 20 years ago. But Happy New Year. No Y2K20 today. We're going to start a new series called Conversations with Jesus. And for the next two months, we're going to look at some conversations from the Gospels, which are the first four books of the New Testament. We're going to look at some conversations Jesus had with people. And our hope and prayer for for this preaching series is that these conversations that Jesus had with folks, that as we look at them, it will kind of inspire and encourage us to have some of our own conversations with Jesus. And that might sound strange to some of you. You might be thinking, how do we have a conversation with someone who we can't see and we can't hear? And that's a good question. But the scriptures tell us this, that that God is present in our midst. Jesus said, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of you. And he speaks to us. He wants to relate with us. And and like any relationship, that begins with conversation. Which is one of the reasons, by the way, that God gave us the scriptures. What do we call this? We, We call this the word of God, right? It, it, it's God initiating a conversation with us. And he speaks to us in other ways besides his word, but the word is the primary way God speaks to us through the scriptures. He can speak to us through all kinds of other ways. And, but then we use this as like the, the, the filter that all those things go through. And when we read the gospels, what we find is Jesus himself having a lot of conversations with people. And one of the things that I appreciate most about Jesus' conversations is how substantial and purposeful they all are. Now, I'm sure that Jesus engaged in small talk from time to time, right? I'm sure he did, but when I read the Gospels, what I find is that every conversation that's recorded for us there is like really purposeful, it's really hefty. It's really meaningful. It's really rich. Have you guys ever had a conversation with someone that, that went deep really quick? Yep. Like you didn't just say like, hey, what do you think of this weather? And you talked about the weather for five minutes. And then you exchanged pleasantries and then you walked away. But it was like a really deep, like it got deep quick. You started talking and somebody asked you a question or, or you just said something and volunteered some information. All of a sudden you're like, boom, you're like in it. If you've had those conversations, what happens is oftentimes you'll walk away from them and you'll think to yourself, that was really good. I wanna have more substantial conversations like that. Well, conversations with Jesus that he had with people are all really substantial because Jesus is an amazing conversationalist. There would be times in the Gospels when he would say something like, if you would have asked me, I would have given you living water. You're like, whoa, what? Let's talk, what, let's talk about that. What, what do you mean by that? That's pretty, like, that's deep. Another time he said to his disciples, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Like, whoa, tell me what, whoa, let's talk. There's another time he asked his disciples a question, who do you say that I am? Like, what? I, I bet that took them off guard. Right? Like, what? Uh, that's pretty deep, Jesus. And so I was praying about which conversation with Jesus to start our, our new preaching series with today. And since we're starting a new year, I thought we could start with a conversation where Jesus asked someone the question, what do you want? This is the time of year where we make New Year resolutions, Right? Where we look at where we are and and where we've been and where we're going in the future that we want, the year that we want, and we we come up with things. What are some new year resolutions? Just kind of shout some out to me. What are some that we make common? Go to the gym, right? Somebody just said, I just came from the gym. What else? Diet, Diet. yep. Eat less, get healthy, get rid of stuff, stuff. Budget. budget, yeah, be smarter with our money. Any other ones? There's always next year. But we, here's the thing I want to point out about resolutions, about our, our New Year resolutions, is that all of them are informed by a question. What do you want? Because we start to reflect and think, okay, what do I want this next year? What do I want in 2020? And that's a really good conversation to have with Jesus. In, in fact, he asked someone that question in Matthew chapter 20. Let's re- let's read this passage. It's Matthew chapter 20 in verse 29. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, "Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us." The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately, they received their sight and followed him. Here's another thing I love about conversations Jesus has with people in throughout the Gospels is Jesus always meets people right where they're at. See, he didn't ask this question to everybody he met. What do you want me to do for you? In fact, there's this one conversation Jesus has with someone. He tells them, the person asks him, what do I have to do to... to Enter into the kingdom, inherit and eternal life, and Jesus tells him, "Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor," which is a very different conversation than this one we're reading this, this morning. Can you imagine if that guy was listening in on, on this conversation? He's probably like, "Jesus, you told me to sell everything and give it to the poor, and you're telling this guy he gets whatever he wants." What is up with that? And, uh, and I get it. If, if Jesus wasn't God, I would say this is a really bad question. But he's God, so he's smarter than me. So I, I wouldn't say that. But I read this question, and I think, wait a second, Jesus, uh, what, if, what if they get the wrong idea? What if they become this self-serving consumer Christian who treats God like a genie, you know, just grant me some wishes. What do you want me to do for you? This whole question, it feels theologically misleading. Isn't following Jesus about making him Lord of your life and doing whatever he wants? Well, yes, but Jesus meets people right where they're at. What I love about these conversations Jesus has, there's intention behind this question. Jesus knows what he's doing. And so I want to point out a couple interesting details about this passage that kind of shed some light on the purpose behind Jesus' question. And the first detail I want to point out is this. These two men were physically blind, but their real problem went much deeper. They had no vision for a different life than the one that they were living. See, if you were blind during this time in history, you had very few options. You either had family that provided for you, you could not go get a job, or you became a a panhandler, a beggar. There was no social security, there was no safety net in place for these two blind men. They lived hand to mouth, one day at a time. They did not have the luxury of envisioning a different tomorrow. They didn't have the luxury of envisioning a better future, they were just trying to survive. And having no vision had worn them to their bones. They had lived in a state of continual crisis, of food scarcity. They, they can't imagine a tomorrow that looks any different than, than their today. So when they heard that Jesus was coming, they got desperate. Because they'd heard about Jesus. They'd heard about the miracles that Jesus has, had done. And so when they heard that he was coming, they began shouting, Lord. Son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd tries to shut them up. The crowd strongly disapproves of their desperate behavior. It doesn't make sense to them. They can't understand why anyone would act that way, and so they try to silence them. Because the same thing that was true back in Jesus' day is true in our day, that when people of privilege like us refuse to understand the cries of the marginalized, we try to silence them instead of listen. And sometimes we even become combative. You can imagine this crowd. Here's these two blind guys. They, this, is, this is their chance. Jesus is coming. He's the miracle worker, just like we sang about this morning, and they know it. And they're crying out to Jesus. And the crowd, they don't, they don't understand what it is to be a blind beggar. They don't understand what it is to be marginalized. And they, they have, they're refusing to understand it. And so they try to shut them up. We do the same thing, right? When we hear people who are marginalized and they're crying out. And we, and we refuse to listen. We become combative. But not Jesus. Look at verse 34. It says, Jesus heard them. And had compassion on them. He engaged them in conversation and he heals their blindness. See, I wonder if if this might be a conversation Jesus wants to have with us in the new year. How can we as a people of privilege, as followers of Jesus, learn how to listen to the cries of folks who are marginalized? I know he's been having that conversation with me for a while. I'm just going to leave that there. We're going to go to the second interesting detail in this passage. The second interesting detail is this. What these two blind men wanted was obvious. They wanted to see. They wanted a different life than the one they had. Why on earth would Jesus seemingly ask such an insensitive question? Try to imagine the scene. They're beggars. They're blind. They're crying out to Jesus in the crowd, and, and Jesus has the audacity to ask them, well, what's going on? What do you want me to do? Like, Jesus, are you completely insensitive? Are you so out of touch that you don't know that these people are beggars and that they're blind? It, it, it seems insensitive of him to ask that question, but here's the thing we need to know. When God asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't already know the answer. It's because he wants you to know the answer. And so he asked these two blind men, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Because Jesus wanted them to articulate what they wanted. See, I'm convinced of this. If we're ever going to live the life that God intends for us to live, we need to know two things. What do we want and what does he want for us? We need to know those two things. Now, the, the two blind men, when Jesus asked them this question, they didn't ask for a new walking stick. <laughs> they didn't say, Jesus, you know, I, I could really use one of those walking sticks with a really grippy handle. Or, you know, Jesus, what I'd really like is a seeing eye dog give me a little companionship. I, I could like, you know, have him lead me around. No, they wanted vision. See, most of us, don't know what we want because we don't have enough vision for our lives to even articulate it. We, if somebody asks you, "Hey, what do you want?" I, I, don't know. When I was a kid, my parents used to take me to, and my grandparents too. They used to take me to this uh, restaurant in Cornwall, Ontario, Canada. It was a Chinese buffet called Jack Lee's. I love Jack Lee's, and I remember the first few times going. I was a rookie at the buffet. You know, the first few times you go to a buffet, you don't know what you're doing. (laughs) And so I would go up and I grab the plate and I would just pile on my plate whatever was in front of me. So I'd grab my plate and, well, that looks good. I put some of that on and this looks good. Put some of that on and this looks good. And it's a big buffet, right? And I go all the way around the buffet to where the best things were. My grandpa told me, The egg rolls at Jack Lee's are the most amazing things you've ever eaten. But they're at the end of the buffet. And so I got to the end of the buffet and my plate was already full. And so I I have a choice. I can either commit the sin of gluttony or or I I can leave the buffet line with much regret in my heart. And, what, and I, what, I, what, I, what I learned to do is go to the end of the line first and pack up all the egg rolls on my plate. But I didn't do that the first few times. I made that mistake, and, and that's the way most of us live our lives. We wake up each morning like of, we, whatever we're in standing in front of, we just put on our plate. A little work, a little Netflix, a little social media. A little recreation time, a little downtime, right? A little hobby. And all those things are good things. Until we realize that what our soul is really craving, we don't have room on our plate for. Because we've crowded it out. Because what we're really craving is life with God. His vision for our life. And we miss it. Because we wake up each day, we got our plate, and we just like pile it and pile it. And then we wonder why our souls feel malnourished and unsatisfied. We wonder why we suffer from spiritual indigestion. Because we, we never made room for God's vision for us in our lives. See, Jesus knew what he was doing when he asked them this question. What do you want me to do for you? Because he knew that once they, once they articulated, and it's really a prayer, once they prayed, once they articulated that here's what we want, Jesus, and, and, and we know you want to do this for us. And once they receive their vision, it changes the whole conversation for them. Look what happens after they receive their sight. In verse 34, Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately, they received their sight and followed him. Some translations say it this way. They followed him in the way. Amen. That everything changed for them. They saw Jesus in a new way. They saw Jesus for who he really was. They, 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 their life changed. It became now, no, it's, it's in the, I'm following Jesus in the way. See, after you become a Christian and receive God's vision for your life, this question that Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? begins to mature and evolve. And ultimately, it ends up morphing into a new question What do you want for me? It starts with, what do you want me to do for you? And eventually, as, as, as you step into being a believer in Jesus, and, and, and you, you get, start to get his vision for your life, the question changes, and it becomes, what do you want for me, Jesus? And that's what happens with these two, and that's why they followed him in the way. And the same is true for you and I, that, that once we see Jesus for who he really is, once we get his vision, our lives, it changes everything. The the conversation that began with him asking, what do you want me to do for you, becomes, what do you want for me, Jesus? What do you have for my life? What's your vision for my life? And, And I wonder if any of us here this morning need to have this same conversation with Jesus as we head into a new year. Finding God's vision for your life is really complicated, isn't it? The three people who are honest just said yes. <laughs> Finding God's vision for your life, it's complicated. It's complex. You God, do you want me to go here? Do you want me to stay here? Do you want me to do this? Do you want me to do that? Should I, do, should I uh, try this? Should I not? Do you guys have any complexity when you're trying to figure out God's will for your life? Yes. Man, yes, I do. And... Um, I don't have all the answers, but I can tell you this. A great place to start is by answering Jesus' question. What do you want? What do you want me to do for you? Are you just supposed to tell him? Yeah, just tell him. Tell him what you want. Will will he do it for you? I I don't know. (laughs) Maybe. But I'll tell you this. It's a great way to start a conversation with him. Maybe the whole conversation will change when you, when you tell him what you want. Maybe he'll, the conversation will turn into a different one. Maybe he'll end up giving you a whole new vision for your life that you never could have imagined. You know, I was reflecting. Um, I moved here to, to plant this church about 11 and a half years ago. Almost 12 years ago. It'll be 12 years in August. And the reason I'm here is because I tried answering this question by Jesus. Because... About 13 years ago, I, 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 I was answering this question of Jesus, what do you want me to do for you? And I was just spending some time really trying to figure out what, 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 what future does God have for me? What's his vision for my life? And, and the answer that I landed on was, God, more than anything, I want to help people see Jesus for who he really is. Because I believe that Jesus is the most magnetic being in the universe. And that our churches would be full if people just saw him for who he really is. But we don't, right? We, we, we see him in kind of a, a twisted way. And much of that is just our fault as the church, right? We look at the church and say, ah, I don't know about that. But he's the most magnetic being in the universe. And so I, I, I told Jesus, I want to help people see you for who you really are. And at about that time, or shortly after... We were driving to Burlington a ton. I, I grew up in a town called Messina, New York, which is three hours from here. I was on staff at a church that I grew up in as a kid. And I was on staff there for 12 years, and the, the pastor of that church is actually going to be with us here in a few weeks to preach at the well, which I'm excited about. But I worked there for, for a, a 12 years, and um, we were coming here be, often because my son Joshua... Um, we had all kinds of medical issues, and we were trying to get him diagnosed, and there was a number of things. And we were coming to the UVM Medical Center uh, regularly, my wife and I, with him. And every time I would come here, that conversation with Je- that Jesus would just kind of stir it up. And eventually, I just started to to think, maybe this is where I'm supposed to do this. I mean, it makes sense. It's one of the most unchurched cities in the country. And and, and wow, like, what would it be like to come here and and show people who Jesus really is? And I don't even know if I can do that. I don't even know how to do that. But that sounds really cool. I was more naive than than courageous, I think, (laughs) not knowing. And, And I remember talking to my wife about it. And my wife is amazing. Just bring something on your wife. Hey, we're going to leave this really stable church of about 400 folks and this great job, this wonderful community, and you know all the security, and we're going to leave our house, and we're going to go to Burlington, and we're going to start with with nothing from from scratch. What are you going to do? I don't know. Doesn't it sound amazing? (laughs) And and my wife was like, yeah, let's go do it. I hope I can do that for her one day. where she's having a conversation with God and she she, she says, let me invite you into this conversation. I I have the faith enough to be like, okay, let's. And and what I did is I started praying earnestly. I started seeking the scriptures because that's what you're supposed to do when you have a conversation with God. You're supposed to talk to him about it. Tell him what you want. You're supposed to also invite other people into the conversation with you. But people you respect and trust. People you know that they don't have an agenda, they want God's best for your life. Talk to them about it, invite them into the conversation. I started talking to my pastor, who again will be here with us in a few, few weeks. Started talking with some of my friends and my family members. And over a period of time, eventually I got enough vision to just get up and follow Jesus here. And man, it was scary. We drove the U Haul across the bridge. And some friends of ours helped us move, and they unloaded us, and they drove away. And I thought, what do we do now? It was just my family and two young adult friends. You can't just stick a sign in your yard say, hey, I'm a pastor. I'm here to start a church. You should come talk to me. That just makes people run away here. <laughs> but, but it started with a conversation, what do you want me to do for you? And now, the conversation you have with Jesus is going to be different than, than mine. Because chances are, you know, unless God's speaking to you, you might not be called somewhere to start a church. But I guarantee you, he wants to have this conversation with you. What is it you want? Now, don't be surprised if the conversation and the question starts to morph and becomes, what do you want from me, Jesus? Because that'll likely happen. So here's what I want to do this morning to close with, is I wonder if we could just pray together. And I kind of step into this conversation with Jesus. Y'all feel comfortable about that? I'm kind of tricking you into a conversation with Jesus here, aren't I? I don't mean to. If you're not comfortable with this conversation, just, you don't, just wait. But if you say, hey, you know what? I really do want some vision for this next year. I, I want vision in 2020. There's a dad joke there. I'm going to resist it. It's right on the tip of my tongue. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that we get the courage to have this conversation with Jesus. How's that? All right. Let's pray together and invite the band to come up too. God, I'll confess that sometimes I don't even know my own desperation. That in my soul, I'm a blind beggar sitting on the roadside with no vision for my life. And I know in my heart that all it takes is, is Jesus to come along and for me to cry out so that I can receive his vision, but it's really scary. Because at least I know what it's like to sit by the road as a blind beggar. Sometimes I'm scared of what he's going to call me into. So God, I know the disciples, that one of the things they prayed for the most was courage. And so that's what I'm going to do for me and my friends here, is we're just going to ask for courage. Because we know that you have vision for our lives. You have something that you're, you've created for us to step into. And although it might start with what we want, it always ends up with what you want for us. Which is pretty scary. (laughs) But Lord, it's also the most beautiful thing when we step into your will for our lives. Lord, would you give us the courage to not resist that, to not fight it, to not silence it, but to step into this conversation and just start to tell you what it is that we want. And also, God, just give us the flexibility and the ears to hear what you might be speaking to us because we also need to get to the place where we're asking what you want for us. Lord, only you can do that. So, Holy Spirit, um, we're open. Come and start that conversation with us. We promise that we will do our best to listen and obey and give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community.